You're listening to Smogland Radio. Broadcasting from the hardware stores, ghetto birds, and secret pea corners of Los Angeles. Nancy Mesa. Welcome to a new episode of Smogland Radio, a production of LA Public Press. Each episode, we're going to go on a little journey across LA together. Remember that this is your news podcast about the city we all hate to love and love to hate. But first, Smogland Radio is made possible by our donors and supporters. And if you haven't done so yet, you can become a supporter at alleypublicpress.org slash donate. It's never too late. If Alley Public Press dropped an album today, our hit single would be called Nowhere to Go. Why? Because in LA, when nature calls and you're out and about, there's literally nowhere to go. And we also know that the acronym for our newsroom literally means P, L-A-P-P. And you know what? We're not even mad about it. And this week on Smogland Radio, we're leaning into our identity. We're L-A-P-P, and we're dedicating this entire show to bathrooms. We're joined now in the studio by Malin Tu, who's spent a lot of time looking into public bathrooms in LA and why we have so few of them. All right, so first of all, thank you, Malin, for joining us on Smogland Radio. Yes. As a bus rider and as a bus person, it just really matters to me, the lack of bathrooms or just the bathroom situation in LA. So I'm just really glad that you're here and we're having this conversation. So yeah, let's just get into it. So... We all know it's super hard to find a functioning bathroom, let alone a bathroom in Los Angeles, especially when you need one. So what do you consider to be a public bathroom and why are there so few of them in our city? So for the purposes of the article that I wrote, I'm considering public bathrooms as bathrooms that are in the public right of way. That means they're on the sidewalk. So they're not part of a library or part of a park. They're kind of their own thing. And so there are 14 freestanding bathrooms, basically, in the city of L.A. currently. Wow. That doesn't seem like a lot <laughs> of bathrooms uh, for millions of inhabitants. What are some of the reasons why there's so few bathrooms? So it's kind of a complicated question because the reason that we have these 14 public bathrooms is actually rooted in the criminalization of homelessness and so if we go back to the late 90s, there were business interests, especially in downtown, like the business improvement districts and businesses that were really looking to criminalize public urination and defecation. The downtown business interests were trying to push homeless people out of Skid Row. And so it was all part of that initiative. And it was introduced in ni 1999. And then 
during the course of trying to introduce this new ordinance that would criminalize public urination, the city attorney basically came back and said, like, hey, like, if you want to do this, we need to show that there are bathrooms available. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard to actually prosecute in court because you need to show that there's a bathroom there. People will be like, well, I would have used a bathroom when it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So they sort of linked that ordinance to criminalize public urination to this contract that was supposed to bring more bathrooms to L.A., but they ended up just passing it before any of the bathrooms were actually in service. The city council kind of like had the sense of urgency, and they were like, we need to pass this ordinance. So they ended up criminalizing public urination and defecation in 2003 anyway. Okay, so the contract that the city signed to build bathrooms was actually a bus shelter contract. Can you tell me how that happened and how that works? It's kind of counterintuitive. Like the contract was to build these like 150 public toilets, right? But the public toilets were being paid for through the advertising revenue from bus shelters. So in order for the toilets to get built, you need the advertising on the bus shelters. So if you don't build the bus shelters, then you're not going to get the toilets or the bus shelters, really. And then each individual council member also had the power to kind of like veto individual bus shelter locations. So they had to sign off on every single one. If they didn't sign off, the bus shelter would not get built. And so what would happen is like it would the permits would like come to them and then they would just like sit there because there was no deadline and the council member could just be like, do do do, you know, like basically do nothing and block the bus shelter from being built. And how did people from wealthy neighborhoods feel about this contract? What did they do? They didn't want, you know, bus shelters in their neighborhoods because they said they didn't want like the advertising that was on the bus shelters. And so that backlash really just, it was just a complete shit show. It was way easier to like not build a bus shelter. That's how the contract was really constructed is like put like all these like barriers and obstacles. And I think a lot of that did come from like nimbyism, you know, not in my backyard. These anxieties that people had over like bus shelters and therefore like poor people in their communities because public transit, especially like buses, are very associated with that in L.A. There's like a, a stigma attached to that. Right. So it's like they're coming out saying they're against the advertisement. But when we really know it's folks not wanting poor people or people who like the bus <laughs> in their neighborhood. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I guess maybe they're like really also really opposed to ads. But yeah, I think. Yeah. If you really get into it, a lot of problems in L.A. I feel like are, are pretty simple. They might seem really complex, like L.A. being like, oh, we can't build bathrooms. It's too expensive and blah, 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 and this and that. But I feel like if you if you really like boil it down, I feel like a lot of things are actually pretty simple. And in your reporting, I know there's a huge correlation between the infrastructure we do have and more anti-homeless sentiment. Mm -hmm. uh, where else have you seen that in your reporting? Where like... There is some sort of like investment in public infrastructure, but it's not meant for like the public good or the benefit. So, I mean, I think I see this a lot with any, yeah, any kind of infrastructure, especially like in the public right of way, which is like the sidewalk, mm. basically. So anything that could be seen as making it making it more comfortable to like be on the street, basically, is really there's so much like political pushback. There's so much resistance to that. Like you see that with bus shelters and Basically, NIMBYs, they don't want a bus shelter in their backyard. And these are people that you generally are pretty um, wealthy and don't take the bus. Mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, so they're not going to be waiting at that bus stop <laughs> that has no so. shade <laughs> and nowhere to sit. I don't sit. think they're invested in that. <laughs> so you see that with these like wealthier neighborhoods really pushing back against bus shelters and this idea that unhoused people will take refuge there or find shelter there. And then also with public toilets, it's sort of this idea that there's a toilet 
and you're in house, it's like, well, I have this bathroom. Like, I'm never moving inside. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, right? You're like, but this toilet is here. Like, of course I'm going to stay. <laughs> it's just such a weird way of thinking about it. But that's how people talk about these kinds of public in- infrastructure. All right. So public urination and defecation is illegal, right, in the city. And that's where we've seen a lot more criminalization of unhoused folks. And since there's just so few public bathrooms, we know that folks often, if not most times, have to end up going to a business or asking a business to use their bathroom. Um, But there's this municipal law that says that if you have a medical infirmity or an emergency, businesses actually have to let you use the bathroom. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about this ordinance and just why few folks know about it? Yeah, so... Actually, there's an activist named Adrian Riskin. He's really, I think, been influential in shedding light on this. But basically, there's this, it's it's kind of the, actually, it, it precedes the criminalization of public urination. So this is actually passed back in 1988. I think it was intended as sort of like a disability rights issue that a business cannot deny someone access to a bathroom if they're disabled. And so, but the ordinance itself is like the language is is pretty, is almost like, universal in a way because it's like saying that like if you go into a business and you say I need to use the bathroom because I have this like the language is physical infirmity then by law they're required to allow you to use the bathroom so it's not customers only like if there's a Mm -hmm. sign that says like customers only that's not actually the case okay if you have a physical infirmity like you have the right you really need to use the bathroom (laughs) like you have the right to use the bathroom yeah yeah um yeah. So as you mentioned, right, Adrian Riskin is an activist in L.A. who does a lot of this bathroom advocacy. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about a little bit about his bathroom activism? Yeah. So his group is called the Los Angeles Bathroom Liberation Front, which I think is a really cool name. So the, the idea is Hell to yeah. liberate the <laughs> bathrooms. So what he does is he goes into um, businesses or I think in one case it was like a, a bid. So it was a business, business improvement district. And he asked to use the bathroom and he uses the language in the law, like because of a physical infirmity, I need immediate access. And then if they refuse, he just like hands them a copy of the law. And so it's it's more so like education, mm-hmm. I think, and, and trying to like push back against the idea that bathrooms are only for customers or employees or like if you work there. Yeah. Wow. And we actually have a video of that. So let's bring up the audio. Hey, how are you? Um, I need to use your bathroom if that's okay. Okay. Excuse me? I'm from here. I mean, no, I'm a person. Los Angeles? Do you have a business around here? No. Okay. Okay. Um, because of a physical infirmity, I require immediate access to restroom facilities. This is some information for you. What is this? I don't know. So you're not going to let me use the bathroom? The law says you have to. Well, the law says you have to. Do you want to talk to your supervisor? That's fine. You don't want to talk to... This is your final answer? Yeah. Wow. Just the fact that the woman is like, if you're not a business, you can't use the bathroom. Yeah. Because I think it's like the business improvement district Mm -hmm. is where he went into. Yeah. Wow. One, I just think this is amazing that he's doing this. (laughs) Because I... 
I'm telling you, I'm a bus rider and I hate when I have to go and you're just literally like trying to figure out who's the nicest person or mm-hmm. who where where do I have a higher chance of getting to use the bathroom. So I would yeah. just hate like the fact that it, it gets so hard for folks, right? It gets so hard for people to just do a simple thing. Mm-hmm. So we know, right, that most people actually don't know about this law, unfortunately. And so how do Angelinos who don't know, right, about this municipal code, how, from your reporting and talking to folks, um, how do Angelinos cope with the lack of bathrooms? Where where do they go? Where are people going if it's not these Yeah. Businesses? They are definitely peeing in the streets is my conclusion. And, you know, it's it gets really desperate, I think, especially with with COVID and stuff. A lot of bathrooms, even more bathrooms shut down. And so people were just like they just didn't have any options. And so I heard one story, a woman who she was working as a traveling nurse at the beginning of COVID. And so she had her strategy was to go to grocery stores during the day and then gas stations at night. And then if the gas station wouldn't let her use the bathroom, she would buy something and then pee into the plastic bag that she got with the purchase behind the gas station and then sometimes she would be so desperate that she would like find one of those like construction porta potties mm-hmm. at a site like a locked one and she would pee into a plastic bag next to the porta potty because she wanted the she was so afraid of being arrested basically and she wanted the cops to know that like it was an emergency she's like i am i really i attempted. i am desperate okay <laughs> like and i think just some of the stories are just like so fascinating there was another person who like purchased a membership to LA Fitness, not to work out, but just because, so she could use the bathroom when she was like traveling around the city for work and stuff. People are like buying these like travel potties, I think that you can like keep in your car. It was just like stuff that I just had never thought about. And I just was really surprised. But yeah, I think people are, people out there definitely uh, peeing in the streets for sure. (laughs) Well, I feel like with only 14 bathrooms, like (laughs) we are definitely peeing in the streets. and it's dire. Yeah. And I know for me, right, I know, like, I'm a, like I mentioned, like, I'm a bus rider. So I have my little P map. Like, yeah. you know, like, I like, if, like, depending on what route I'm taking, like, just because I've been on the <laughs> bus my whole life, I just kind of know, like, okay, if I, like, once I feel the need, I'm just like, okay, where am I? <laughs> like, yeah. Can I assess the situation? And it sucks. Like, I know, like, like, all of us here, they probably have this P map of like, we know our little mm-hmm. dark corners, you know, or we're, or, or, when you go out, especially right, assessing the situation of where you could go. Yeah. So it's good to know that I'm not the only one then that's out there peeing in dark corners or wherever we can. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's this one toilet scholar, Brian Simon, who I interviewed, and his premise is that public bathrooms make map makers out of all of us. And so we all have this like mental map in our heads of like where you can use the bathroom. And depending on who you are, what you look like, your identity, like the map might be really full or it might be like very sparse. And so it's just really this like, measure of inequality and we just don't have the same we don't have the same bathroom maps or p maps i like p maps better actually i'm all p maps <laughs> and, it, and it's true because I, I noticed like when i have my backpack with me like mm-hmm. i'm able to get into more places it's like oh mm-hmm. she's probably a good student or things like that but when i don't have my backpack it is harder for me to get into places or like to use bathrooms like just imagine if you're like if your clothes aren't that clean or if you haven't been able to shower that day or you know if you're a black or brown person, it might be harder to access. Or your, your PMAP is definitely, like, altered because of racism, you know, and all yeah. those things. So it just sucks, right? Even our PMAPs are fucking unequal. <laughs> like, <laughs> equal PMAPs for all, yeah. Right? We all need, we, we all need equal access to go. <laughs> all right. So I know that there's also this push in terms of, like, 
forcing small businesses or just forcing businesses to open their bathroom, you know, kind of like through Adrian Riskin's activism of just like having businesses know the actual law. Do, do you think that, that would work if we like force businesses to just be more open? Yeah, to I, I mean, ideally, <laughs> but yeah, I talked to another scholar named Laura Naren and she said, something, she said something that I thought was really interesting is that it's not that we don't have enough bathrooms. Mm, there are plenty of bathrooms. But basically, if we try to require businesses to open their bathrooms, there would be just a lot of pushback and a lot of resistance. And it's really hard to sort of try to police that in a way. Mm -hmm. So and unfortunately, I don't think that's like the solution. It's like a public issue and it's like for the public. And so really the city of LA should be stepping in and providing these things. But unfortunately, it's offloaded a lot of those like responsibilities onto the private sector. And you don't see this just with bathrooms. I think the idea is more for businesses ultimately maybe to turn around and put some pressure on the city to say like, hey, like this is your job. Like you should be doing this. You shouldn't be pushing this off on us. Like we're just these like private businesses. Like it shouldn't be our responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like a public infrastructure situation. It should, <laughs> it should I be. feel like it should be. Like we're not the mayor, but <laughs> it seems like having bathrooms. Yeah, it seems like somewhere in the government, like we could like figure this out, you know, so the, uh, the other thing that's been on my mind, and I'm sure a lot of people's minds, is that we have the Olympics, right? The Olympics are coming to LA in 2028, and it's a big, right, sporting event. It's where we're going to see a big influx of folks. So are there any plans from your reporting or your investigation to increase the access, like, or public bathroom access um, for the Olympics? Is there any one championing that? Or what's what does it look like out yeah, there? Yeah, it was really bleak. I think when I first started writing about this, I was, like, just going to different agencies and basically, like, asking them if they had any plans and, like, really not getting anything back. So there was this directive that the LA City Council passed, basically directing the Board of Public Works to meet with these other agencies and come up with suggestions for an expanded public toilet program. So the idea is that because... LA is now managing these 14 public toilets. So it was like, oh, this is like an opportunity. We could get more toilets. I mean, I don't know if that was the plan, but as far as I can tell, it's not really happening. So I started asking the Board of Public Works last year, like, hey, what's the status of this expanded public toilet report? Like, what's going on? And I followed up again in April and May, and then just recently, actually. And basically, they were like, oh, we've identified partners to meet with. And then I think today they sent me a statement that was like, we're going to send these other agencies a survey and they're going to make a suggestion make suggestions and then if the council, city council requests it we'll create a report and I was just like what does that even mean but anyway I guess what I'm trying to say is like it doesn't seem to be happening that just my non-expert opinion on that yeah wow that's scary <laughs> <laughs> that's scary only because it's the Olympics right so you think that there would at least be some planning yeah, I mean, Streets LA, so they're the ones managing the program right now. Mm -hmm. They also manage like the bus shelter program, but I feel like they have never wanted to manage public toilets and they're trying to push that responsibility off onto another agency. I don't think the other agency is there to like sort of take the responsibility because I don't think anyone wants to deal with this shit. Literally, no one gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, though, I did find this one thing where in Hollywood, they're trying to open a public bathroom. You know, politically, there may be a lot of pushback with that, but there's like over a million tourists visiting Hollywood and there's no bathrooms. So you can imagine like how bad it is. Yeah, especially because it's such a yeah. big tourist central. Like, yeah. A, yeah. So apparently there's a public bathroom that's supposed to be opening up and it's going to be managed by the bid by the Business Improvement District. And I think that's like, 
I mean, that's fascinating to me because I know that they've been trying to do that for like literal decades. And I'm like, what changed? Maybe it is the Olympics. Maybe they're like, okay, we just can't live like this anymore. Yes. We'll keep an eye out for sure. Hopefully no one stops it. So I know another common sense solution or a question I always have too is in terms of adding more bathrooms is like why there aren't any more bathrooms in metro stations, right? Um, do you know if there's any efforts underway for Metro to incorporate more bathrooms? Yeah, that was a question that I had too, because I hear it a lot. I was like, people think that there should be bathrooms in Metro stations, which I mean, I agree with. There are three locations that have them, but it's really like sparse. But yeah, so I did ask Metro. I said, hey, do you have any plans to, to add permanent bathrooms for the Olympics? And there was actually kind of like a wish list of projects that they were going to do for the Olympics. And there were some bathroom facilities listed on that. But when I followed up with Metro, they basically said there's no plan to add permanent bathrooms wow. on Metro property. Yeah. So it's like people are traveling very long distances. You yeah. think that like at least in Metro, that would be a champion. So this is really disheartening. Yeah. I mean, it's really an issue that can restrict people's lives and restrict yeah. their mo mobility and their ability to like move around and just like live and be in the city, especially for people who don't own a car or, or like, you know, don't have access to like reliable transportation. Like it's a huge issue. So I know, right, LA, our access to public toilets is, are, is terrible, right? With no plans really in sight for the Olympics. But compared to other cities, how bad is LA in terms of our access to public bathrooms? Would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty bad in the US in general. I think Iceland was the top bathroom haver. I think like LA, there was this like UK toilet supply site that did like a state of the bathrooms or something. And they said that LA had 189 public bathrooms total and they got that from an app called P-Place. I'm assuming that it just includes like other kinds of public bathrooms. So not just like these freestanding ones, but also like bathrooms in libraries or parks or maybe municipal buildings. So it's a larger number, but those are not like existing in the public right of way, like where everyone can use them. And so that worked out to roughly like five bathrooms per 100,000 people. Wow. And so that was pretty bad. I think LA was like 57th in terms of like the list of like US cities. So yeah, it's not great. Wow. That's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know another solution, right? In terms of like what could be possible solutions uh, to our nowhere to go problem. Toilets where you have to pay have you seen this as part of the city's plan at all where it's kind of like, okay, we'll let you use it and you can pay for it? Yeah. So I guess we did used to have pay toilets, but then there was a movement like in the seventies, I believe that really wanted to make toilets like free for everyone. And I think the intentions were really good and they were trying to make, you know, it more equitable basically. But what happened is when they did away with like pay toilets, the government, it didn't step in and like provide public toilets for free. So we're <laughs> just like have less toilets. Uh um, so I think one thing reporting this like is my mindset is kind of shifted on this is which is which is that we do have paid toilets but it's usually like a Starbucks or like a cafe where you have to buy a cup of coffee and this is something that again um, Brian Simon talks about is that for the middle class like Starbucks basically is like our version of a public toilet yeah it's like we're willing to pay like five dollars to use the bathroom which is bizarre in a way but it kind of, in a way, it like works out well for the city because like they don't have to provide toilets 
And then for businesses, like they make money off of that, like basic human need that people have. And then something that um, Adrian Riskin said was just like, by criminalizing public urination, like you create this world where half of half of the people are customers and half are criminals. And so it's just like this really convenient way to sort of keep everyone sort of, I don't know, I'm almost like internalizing like the blame for not having access to a restroom because it's like there's so much like shame and like guilt and like, which is just, again, it's kind of bizarre because it's like, it is such a basic human need that everyone has. And yet it's attached to all this like shame over, you know, needing a bathroom of all things. Yeah, and then it forces you to be a consumer because it's like (laughs) if you got to go and you don't want to, like, stress out about it too much, but you have income, you could Mm -hmm. pay your five bucks to use. I know I've done it. I would ask someone else for the code before. I felt like I was more savvy when I was younger, but now I'm just like, I got to go. Give me my latte and the damn bathroom code (laughs) and I'll be on my way. (laughs) I would say, too, at the markets, like, I know, like, where I get off on one bus to go to the other one, there's a Ralph's, and I know it has a bathroom. And every time I go in there, I make sure to buy something, too, because I'm just like, fuck, I don't want them to think I'm just using the bathroom. But why can't I just go in there and use the bathroom? Yeah. Like, why is it that I feel so guilty? And, like, so I'll go in there, and I'll be like, okay, I'll use the bathroom. And I'll be like, okay, what do I need at the house? Do we need eggs? Do we need milk? And, like, Ralph's is expensive. Like, that is not where I would go shopping. <laughs> That's just where I go because it has a bathroom, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wondered, too, like, that story that that woman was telling, they told me was, like, you know, there's like also so much, like, fear of, like, being caught, like, being caught in the act and being, like, arrested and, like, criminalized. And I kind of wondered, too, if, like, having everyone, like, living in that kind of fear, like, keeps us also from, like, finding solidarity with the unhoused or just, like, each other because we're all just so afraid of, like, I don't want to be arrested for, like, breaking the law instead of, like, why am I peeing outside of a locked porta potty at like 11 p.m. at night like what is this like (laughs) like thinking like maybe something's wrong with the world and not you know wrong with me like yeah on the flip side what you said is like once you're no longer able to be a consumer you become a criminal i know this happens a lot when i try to go to like a convenience store it's like randomly out of order Mm -hmm. you know like then you just become criminalized because you have to use the street right so we could all easily become criminalized folks out there just for having to go you know it's really messed up well thank you so much maylaine for your reporting on the bathroom situation in la i think definitely as the olympics come it'll be interesting to see if there is any movement or if there is a champion that emerges from the trenches But we'll definitely keep our listeners updated. And thank you so much for, again, your reporting and coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was Maylin too, our bathrooms correspondent. You can find the story Maylin wrote about the municipal law on bathrooms at our website, lapublicpress.org. You can also find all her other reporting on bathrooms and the criminalization of poverty. We'll be right back. Last up on the show today, we've got a dispatch from Onzen. It's a hardware store on First Street in Little Tokyo. 
in a city dominated by Ace, Lowe's, and Home Depot, Onsen is one of the few actual mom-and-pop hardware stores that's still standing. It's the kind of place you could go in and have a long conversation with the owner about gardening shears or whatever. It's also got Japanese knives and other imported tools that you can't find in the big box hardware stores. But now it's closed its first street location. Its longtime owner, Nori Takutani, is retiring. He had run the store since 1954, and community members threw him a party to celebrate his decades of service. <laughs> Onsen is just the latest historic business to shut down in Little Tokyo in recent months. As you've heard on the show, our beloved Japanese restaurant, Suheiro, is also closing just a few doors down. But it's not all bad news. Takatani has transferred ownership to Philip Hirose and his family, whose grandfather is actually the original owner of Onsen. The next door may not always be this busy, but... Uh so appreciative of the support and the love and people a lot of people have already pitched ideas of things that we can do should do or things that they would like to see and I think that um, we're gonna lead with that spirit because we know that uh, the community the store is the communities and not just ours they're planning to reopen the store in little Tokyo after a short break We'll update you on that right here on Smogland Radio. Smogland Radio is produced by Phoenix So and Carla Green. I'm your host, Nancy Mesa. We're a production of LA Public Press, a nonprofit newsroom for Los Angeles. Eduardo Arenas made our music and Jaime Zacarias made our show art. Special thanks to the Robinson Space where we record this podcast and to public bathroom activist, Adrian Riskin. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. Also, we're a newsroom funded entirely by donations. If you like the work that we do, you can support us by becoming a member at alleypublicpress.org slash donate. You can also support us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and telling your friends about us or following us on social media. We're on all platforms at Alley Public Press. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you right back here in a couple of weeks for our next episode. L-A-P-P. <laughs> L-A-P-P. Okay. Uh, and we also know that our acronym for our... New- <laughs> Sorry. to laugh it out oh 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 (laughs) we also know that the acronym for our newsroom literally means p l a p p (laughs) and we're dedicating this entire show to bathrooms (laughs) that is way better Okay. Um, you made it through without laughing, which is so impressive. <laughs> um.